0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Today's gospel comes from uh, St. Luke, chapter 19. It's the story of... Jesus approaching Jerusalem for the last time before his passion and death, and he prophesies over Jerusalem, and in this account in Luke, this is one of the shortest accounts of this, and parallel passages, he uh, waxes a little more poetically in prophecy, Um, says things like how I would have gathered you like a chicken gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not um, and other allusions to Old Testament imagery and, and things like that, but this is this is the historical context that Jesus is coming into the city for the Feast of Passover. When he enters the city, he goes into the temple and drives out the money changers, who of course had um, kind of a dishonest business going. They um, would force people. Uh, faithful Jews coming from all over the, the Jewish world to make sacrifices at the temple during this feast and of course they couldn't bring their cattle or, or whatever with them so they would have to buy a sacrifice so um, they they made it available for travelers to purchase the animals they needed and, and a lot of times there would be exchange rates going on. They weren't supposed to lend money at interest but they could make a little money off exchange rates and, and other sly dealings. And so Jesus uh, goes into the temple, sees all of this um, going on, and rightly drives out all that's going on in the temple that isn't about the business of the sacrifices. And so it's in this context that he makes a prediction about the fate of Jerusalem, about how uh, enemies would surround it, compass it, around, dig trenches, and would eventually come into the city and lay waste to the people and the buildings, not laying one stone on top of another. And of course, uh, uh, history proved that this would in fact happen and did in 70 AD. Uh, St. Gregory the Great actually commenting on this passage reads it in light of what happened several decades after the death and resurrection of Christ. And he, in one of his uh, homilies, explains what this historical context was. So I'm going to uh, read this as Homily 39 on the Gospels by St. Gregory the Great. No one who has read of the destruction of Jerusalem by the Roman rulers Vespasian and Titus can be unaware that the Lord, when he wept over Jerusalem, was describing this overthrow. For the Roman rulers are referred to when it is said, for the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee. And then what follows, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, is even now witnessed to in the changed site of that city, which is now built in the place outside the gates where the Lord was crucified, whereas the ancient city was raised to the ground. When we are told that uh, the sins of hers was... Uh, that. Would, which would be brought upon her, this, this punishment and destruction, because thou knowest not the time of the visitation. So Gregory says that the reason uh, that this would happen to Jerusalem, and Jesus says in his own words, is because Jerusalem did not know the time of its visitation. So last year, the last cycle that we went around our lectionary, I uh, had the privilege of uh, talking preaching on this passage as well, and I noted that that's all well and good, it's very interesting historically to note that's the case for Jerusalem, the historical city, but what does it mean for us? As we Christians read this passage, and St. Gregory bears this out in his homily, and other church fathers do as well, of course we have to understand what this story means for us, not just what it means for the history of Christianity That's all very interesting, the history of of Christians in Jerusalem and um, how they were there until the second sacking in, I think, A.D. 136, and uh, it was very interesting um, historically how all that works, but more to the point, when we read this in the gospel today in the context of our church service, we have to understand what it means for us right here and right now, and in that sense, I think The point that we need to hear today is that Jerusalem is us. All that we hear about in Jerusalem, all that we read about in this story, we can apply to ourselves if we know what we're about. So if Jerusalem is us, and if Jesus is lamenting that Jerusalem didn't know the time of its visitation, do we know the time of our visitation? When God speaks to us in certain circumstances, the tug on our heart in the morning and in, in the evening uh, when we should be uh, giving ourselves over to prayer in uh, certain social circumstances when we're at, you know, uh, with friends or, or, or at work or doing whatever we do on a daily basis, when we feel God speaking to us, are these not visitations of God to us? Um, I don't know, are they? Are, are they? are these really visitations from God? Because in this story, Jesus implies sort of a finality when he's speaking about you didn't know the time of your visitation. And then he's speaking about sort of a final destruction because Jerusalem missed it. So uh, can we really apply sort of this final visitation language of Jesus about Jerusalem to ourselves in a daily life kind of context? Um, well, I mean, there is a finality in Jesus' words, and it does imply that his visitation is kind of this big final thing, and that's, that's true. Um, and we also will all have to deal with that sort of final visitation um, when what's in the state of our hearts, the temple and buildings in our hearts, our inner Jerusalem, will be revealed. Will it be besieged and, and torn down and fall, or will it stand? And that is something that we will have to deal with at Christ's second and glorious coming the final visitation, when whether we received him in all other visitations, the daily visitations will be made manifest. And so I think there are two ways to think about God visiting us. One is in its sort of final reality, and the other is in a daily reality. God does come to us visiting, knocking on the door, behold, I come and knock. Uh, Growing up as a uh, Protestant, I thought that was just like the one time Jesus comes to you, knocks, and if you open, then you're saved, and if you don't, then you're damned. Um, But Jesus knocks all the time. God visits our hearts on a daily basis, multiple times a day, Um, probably more often than we even realize because we're not very sensitive to his visitations a lot of the time. And so recognizing these moments and responding to them throughout the course of our life is essential to being able to welcome God as our King in His final and glorious appearing, instead of as sort of an unwelcome sight, like uh, the landowner uh, returning to take what's his in the in the parables with you know the the unrighteous tenants, um, the wicked tenants, or as the panic of the unwise virgins who had no oil for their lamps when the bridegroom appeared. So all the tenants had to do for a pleasant experience instead of uh, a violent one when uh, the landowner returned was to have kept the land faithfully, to be good tenants. All the virgins had to do uh, to rejoice instead of panic at the, the sound that the bridegroom was approaching was to have acquired oil for the lamps ahead of time. And all we have to do to welcome the Lord when he visits and the great final appearing is to welcome him when he visits us daily um, in our hearts to be ready for that, to, um, to live as we ought to live. Uh, in, in fact, if we want to know what living should look like um, on a daily basis, what we have to do is remember what we just heard in our um, epistle reading during Matins this morning, I'm just going to read it again because this is literally what we have to do in order to recognize God when He appears, to, to live like we ought to live so that um, when, when our final visitation occurs, we're ready for it. This is what St. Paul advises us to do let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek how to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty or by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't know a better summary for how to live a Christian life than that. So that's how we prepare for the glorious and final appearing. It's also how we train ourselves to better recognize the visitations of God to our heart on a daily basis. Um, Christ said that Jerusalem did not realize uh, the time of her visitation. She didn't know when God was visiting. But this is because only we people are able to distract ourselves such that we don't know what God's timing is. In Jeremiah 8-7 the prophet reminds the people that even the stork of the heaven knows her appointed times. And the turtle dove and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming, but my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. What he's saying is nature itself operates by its nature. Only human beings have been able to corrupt our own nature so that we don't know the timing of God. We don't know how God uh, has ordered the world, the universe, our own hearts. We've uh, not only corrupted ourselves within, but we've corrupted our vision so that we don't recognize the reality without. We don't know what the world is about. We don't know God's timing because we've uh, corrupted our hearts. And how have we corrupted our hearts? What have we done to do that? Well, the Lord speaks of Jerusalem not knowing what makes for its peace. And then his action immediately following this provides the answer to this problem, what, what makes for the peace what does Jesus do? He cleanses the temple. So what Jerusalem makes for your peace? An ordered worship life, following the commands of God, not setting up little enclaves of personal profit, but rather trusting that the life of worship that God calls you to will be enough to sustain you. And the same is true for us. If we order our hearts correctly if we drive out from the temple of our hearts all things that don't belong there, then we also will make for our own peace. We will have eyes to see the world as it truly is. If we um, would just let God cleanse the temples of our hearts, then we could recognize God in His visitation and we would have the things that make for our peace. So, why do we insist on living? our lives for ourselves so much of the time, as if we don't really believe it's enough that a life of constant prayer in the morning and evening and at meals, like Paul said, continuous prayer, that attending the church services when we can, that doing acts of service for other people instead of being selfish, that not gossiping, that just trying not to sin too much will be enough for a fulfilled life. In other words, doing everything that Paul in his epistle said, it's almost like we don't believe in our own faith sometimes, in the gospel, when we choose laziness over industry, sin over righteousness, selfishness over a life of simple prayer and good works. And I'm preaching to myself right now, not to anybody else. Uh, I don't have the authority, either moral or ecclesial, to, uh, to call anyone else out on this. I'm just interpreting uh, the scripture that we have here for my own sake, and this is the hard work of being a uh, faithful Jerusalem, recognizing the Lord when He comes to us and keeping all that crap out of the temple. To summarize, in fact, loving God and loving our neighbor. This is the hard and simple work, the simple and hard work. This is what we're called to, though. This is the life of a Christian. So may God help us in it. In the name of the Father. The Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.